Today, for a change, you're going to hear a good sermon. Uh, Pastor Chris Simmons and I met about a year ago in Washington, D.C. on a trip that was uh, sponsored by Movement Day to introduce pastors from North and South Dallas, as well as to see the Bible Museum that had just opened. And um, I was impressed. I liked him, but we didn't talk much. Then I came back town and I started talking to different people and, and uh, young African-American pastors in South Dallas uniformly, when I would ask them, who should I meet? They'd say, well, you need to meet Pastor Simmons. He's doing it. He's doing it. And we preachers talk a lot. That's what we do. We're paid to talk. Every once in a while you meet someone who's doing it. And Pastor Chris has been doing it in South Dallas for 30 years. And um, it's a privilege to have him and, and Janie here today. His three adult children have, have moved into the neighborhood in South Dallas, and they are following in mom and dad's footsteps and doing it. They have built a church that he'll tell you a little bit about, but I'm telling you, you can't appreciate how good it is until you see it. It's just a real privilege to meet a man who's been faithful in the same spot for 30 years and see how God has worked so graciously through him and his family. Um, now, I've already apologized to him because y'all are awfully white bread. It's real quiet in here, and he's not used to that. I'm telling you, it's just he's not used to such a quiet group. In fact, I've offered to pay folks from South Dallas to come up here and give y'all a little juice, but never so far gotten anyone to do it. So if every once in a while you just blink fast or something, let him know you're here because he's used to some activity in the pews. You know what I'm saying? So thank you. Thank you. Uh-huh. So, having said that, Pastor Chris, it's yours. Speak to the Lord for us today. I want to thank Pastor Andy for that very gracious uh, introduction, and certainly has been a joy to uh, meet him, and he has been an encouragement uh, to me, and so we're really looking forward to uh, working with the family here at Grace as we uh, work together to try to impact a part of our community that desperately <laughs> needs to know God's love. And so thank you so much for the opportunity and for your gracious spirit to be able to come this morning and share with you uh, from God's word. Uh, as I share, I hope that I'm not like the young preacher who went to his first church and as he was uh, preaching his first message that he had studied so hard for uh, a lady in the church as he had finished the message, walked up to him, shook his hand and said, Preacher, you are something else. The next Sunday he prepared a message and did a good job, he thought, preaching that message. And as he finished the message, he walked out of the pulpit and the lady greeted him and shook his hand and said, Preacher, you are something else. The third Sunday, uh, as he finished preaching, the same lady walked up to him, looked him in the eye, and said, Preacher, you are something else. He looked at her and said, Every Sunday after I preach, you walk to me, shake my hand, look me in the eye, and say, Preacher, you are something else. What do you mean by that? She said, After hearing you preach three Sundays, you do such a bad job, I've just come to the conclusion, Preacher, you've got to be something else because you're no preacher. <laughs> so I would hope that I will not leave here today and you say, Andy, Chris was just something else. 
But uh, we come to share a word of God and encourage us through our uh, scriptures about local uh, outreach. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to look into your word, to speak to our hearts of how we need to be on mission with you, to see where you are at work, and to engage in those ministry opportunities. We pray, Lord, that you will continue to bless the family here at Grace as they serve faithfully in their neighborhood. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. As Pastor Andy has mentioned, uh, my name is Chris Simmons, and I serve in South Dallas, have been there for the past 30 years. Uh, when I went to Cornerstone, it was a community uh, that they, the Dallas Morning News had called a war zone. Uh, because of the drive-by shootings, the gang activity, um, many people had left the neighborhood and it was a community that had hemorrhaged a lot of people over several years. As we looked at the reality that the uh, church was in a community where people had moved out, many businesses had moved out. In fact, many churches had begun to exit the neighborhood. We asked our congregation to, we, we asked our congregation that if we were to leave this neighborhood, if we were to leave this community, would our neighborhood miss us? And if they would not miss us, then maybe we should go as many have already gone. But if we're gonna be here, let's try to have the greatest impact as we can in our neighbors, among our neighbors. We engaged in doing a number of ministries, um, feeding the homeless, uh, providing medical cl clinics to those who didn't have medical insurance, um, providing an after-school program and a, actually a high school to help young children to earn their high school diploma, providing uh, transitional living for uh, those individuals, men who are coming out of prison without a place to stay, um, a number of different ministries to let people know about the love of Jesus Christ because we began to understand that people in the community did not care how much, you, how much you know. They do not care how much you know until they know that you care. And so we wanted to let them know that we were caring and concerning for them. And by meeting those felt needs of those in the community for food, for clothing, for education, and a variety of other things, it gave us the opportunity to build the bridge to share with them their real need, which is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And after doing it for so many years, we are now seeing many of those individuals who were once helped by the ministry, now helping in point of a felt need. They now have been discipled and are giving back to their communities. Because we believe that a transformed life a transformed life as an individual meets Christ and have their lives transformed, then those individuals have the ability to transform their communities. And I think that there is no passage that clearly uh, shows us that than the book of Mark, chapter 5, where we'll um, receive our word from today, Mark, chapter 5 and talk from the subject, the power of a transformed life, the power of a transformed life out of Mark chapter 5. As we enter into Mark chapter 5, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus 
instructs his disciples that they need to go over to the other side, to the Gentile area, to a Gentile region, where the name of Christ had not been so well known. He challenges his disciples to get in the boat, and as they are getting in the boat, and as they're in the boat, going into this Gentile area, a storm arises. It causes fear to the disciples. The disciples look to Jesus, and as Jesus uh, wakes up, he rebukes the wind and the waves, tells it, peace, be still, and they die down. The disciples um, begin asking themselves, what kind of man is this, that even the winds and the waves obey him? As Jesus is going into this Gentile area, they are encountered with this storm. But the text goes on, chapter 5, verse 1, that after they come through the storm, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes, to an area that was heavily Gentile. They had not been exposed to Jesus Christ. And as Jesus goes into this Gentile area, when he gets out of the boat, there was a man who he encounters that has an impure spirit. An impure spirit came to him from the tombs, from the cemetery, to meet him. In fact, when you look at this individual's story and this individual's situation, it says, verse 3, that this man lived among the tombs. This man lived in the cemetery. This man lived among people who were dead. And I don't know if you've ever visited a cemetery before, but a cemetery is filled with a bunch of people who are going nowhere. And this individual, because of his lifestyle, because of his background, because of his decisions, he felt comfortable being in an environment around other individuals who were just like him, going nowhere, dead. Individuals whom society has given up on, they were He lived in the tombs. And not only did he live in the tombs, among people who were going nowhere, this man was also an individual who was out of control. In fact, he was a menace to society because the text goes on to say that no one could bind him. No one could control him. No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. They would would tie him up and he would break a loose because verse 4 says, for he would often been chained by hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and the irons off his feet. They would chain him up and he would get out. They would chain him up and he would get out. And it is oftentimes like the individuals that we work with and that we're around, that they find themselves in tough situations, in prison, only for the prison is to become a revolving door because the recidivism rate, we lock them up. They get out. We lock them up. They get out. 
he was an individual that was not only hanging around people like him who were going nowhere, but he was a man who was a menace to society. They tried to lock him up only for him to break a loose. Individual was also one who not only society had cast aside, but he also had no value, no worth in himself. Because the text goes on, verse 5, to say night and day among the tombs, among dead people, in the hills, he would cry out. He would cut himself with stones. He would try to destroy himself. And as you can imagine, this man's life probably did not start out that way. This man's parents, as they welcomed him in the hospital, they probably had dreams and aspirations that, that he would be an individual that, that would make a difference in the world around him. But life happened. And he is now in a tough situation, going nowhere hanging around dead people, in and out of prison, cutting himself, destroying himself. An individual whose life had gotten off track, life is broken, is shattered. In fact, it reminds me of a gentleman that I read his biography when I was a young boy. His biography was required reading for the school that I attended when I was in preschool. And um, you might have heard, you might have heard about him. His biography was written by a well-known author by the name of Mother Goose. And, and you probably read his biography, the story of Humpty Dumpty. You, you know what, how the story goes. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty back together again. When you look at that story and you look at Mother Goose and what she had written about his life, and evidently, there's a gentleman by the name of Humpty Dumpty. He is going about life, going about his daily tasks, going about doing what he knew to do. And in the weariness of his journey, he decides to sit on a wall. As he is sitting on a wall, he goes to lean back. And as he leans back, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. Can you imagine the scene that day? Can you imagine as the television news outlets reported on the story that day? Can you imagine as Channel 4, Channel 5, Channel 11, CNN, Fox, and all the television out news recordings uh, told about his story? There's a gentleman by the name in our neighborhood by the name of Humpty Dumpty whose life is now shattered in a thousand broken pieces. What we're going to do? When the government got involved, the government felt 
if we're going to help this man get his life back together again. We've got to invest hundreds of thousands of dollars to help Humpty Dumpty to fix the broken pieces of his life, to help Humpty Dumpty to get his life back together again. It is politically expedient for us to get involved, to pour money down, to, to pour money down in order to solve this problem so that Humpty Dumpty won't have to see his life shattered and everybody report about how we were not involved in helping him put his life back together again. But you know what happened and how the story ends. After all the money had been spent, after all the resources had been poured into his life, Mother Goose says, all the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpy back together again. In fact, they left that broken man more broken up than the broken man was broken up in the first place. They left Humpty Dumpty more Humpty Dumpty than Humpty Dumpty was Humpty Dumpty in the first place. And that's how, unfortunately, when the government gets involved, even in their best attempts, they, they oftentimes leave broken people more broken than the broken person was in the first place. This man, this man, that was his plight shattered, broken, a mess. A minister society hanging around dead people. But he had an encounter that day, an encounter that would change and transform his life. Because verse 6 says that when that man saw Jesus from a distance, he, he ran and fell on his knees in, in front of Jesus and shouted to the top of his voice, what do you want with me? What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Certainly, you don't want anything to do with an individual like me. Look at my past. Look at how society has concluded and the conclusions that society ha has drawn ab about me, Jesus. You don't want to have anything to do with me. And one of the things that we've come to realize as we've worked in our neighborhood is that some individuals feel like, as if they have made so many mistakes that Jesus, that not even Jesus, wants anything to do with them. Hard for them because of the mistakes of their past to accept the love of Jesus. Jesus, what do you want to do with me? But Jesus doesn't see that man for who he is not only for who he is, but he sees that man for what he be, can become. Jesus, verse 8, says to the man, come out of him, you in, impure spirit. Jesus, as he challenges the spirit to come out of the man, and, and the spirit comes out of the man, he, he asks, what is your name? Who are you? 
To which the man replies, my name is many. My name is, is many. Many was used for a term for 6,000 soldiers. Jesus, you want to know who I am? I am a man with many issues, a man with many problems. Look at my life. If he was born in my neighborhood, born in poverty, in our communities, 96% of the boys, 90% of the children, don't have a daddy in the home, or oftentimes raised in poverty, who started selling drugs at a young age in, in, in order to take care of some of the basic necessities in life, he eventually because of the situation in which he lived, moved beyond being a drug dealer to probably being becoming his best customer, in and out of prison. Jesus, you want to know who I am? I am a man with many problems. I am a man with many issues. Jesus, when you look at my life, I've been battered and hurt. As Jesus, and the man has a conversation with Jesus, he begs Jesus not to send him out of the area, not to send the impure spirits, not to send him out of the area. And there, the text says, verse 10, there were a herd of pigs there that were feeding on a nearby hillside, and the demons begged Jesus, send us into the pigs, allow us to go into them. And he gave permission for the, for the impure spirit to come out and, and to go into the pigs, and the herd of about 2,000 pigs rushed down that steep bank into the lake and drowned. This Gentile area where pigs were accepted. Those, and for them that was oftentimes a way of making a way of living. In fact, those tending, tending the pigs ran off and they began to tell everybody in town what had happened because when those individuals saw those pigs running over the, the mountainside, as they saw those 2,000 pigs running over the mountainside in this Gentile area that was oftentimes accepted, that they didn't just see pigs running over the, the, that mountain. They saw bacon. They saw pork chops. They saw pork lawns. They saw pork roast, spare ribs, and ham and sausage. If they were from my neighborhood, they saw the pig feet and the chitterlings and the pig ears. Running over, drowning. And at over $4 a pound for a pound of pig, pork, Nearly a, 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 a million dollars, over a million dollars of their income drowned. And the response was, as they saw the economic impact, Jesus, we want you gone. In fact, verse 16, it goes on. As, as they see this man who was possessed by the legion of demons sitting in, 
sitting there. Now his life has changed. His life is transformed. He is now dressed, and he is in his right mind, something that they had never seen before. He is an individual that, that has been changed by a true encounter with the Christ. And, and as society and those around them seeing him and being changed and transformed, the text says they were afraid. They did not know what to do with this type of a situation. They were afraid. In fact, verse 17, they pleaded with Jesus, Jesus, we want you to leave the region. Jesus, we don't want to have anything to do with you. Jesus, we want you gone. Jesus, we don't know who you are and why you're here. All we know is we've lost 2,000 pigs because you've been around. Jesus, we want you out of our lives. Jesus, upon hearing that, they did not want him there. He gets back into the boat. And as he's getting back into the boat to leave this region, this Gentile area, the man who had been demon-possessed, the man whose life had been transformed because of his encounter with Christ, begged, Jesus, I want to go with you. Jesus, I want to hang out with you. Jesus, being around you this close, puts me in my comfort zone. He begged, Jesus, I want to hang around with you. But Jesus, the text says, did not let him go. In fact, Jesus says, you've got a bigger mission. You've got a bigger task. You've got a greater responsibility. You, you are now to begin a ministry, not hanging around with me, but a ministry locally. You're to go, verse 19, home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how the Lord has had mercy on you. They wanted to hang, he wanted to hang out with Jesus. But Jesus says, you've got a local outreach right here. You've got a responsibility of impacting the lives of those around you, telling them about how your life has been transformed by an encounter with Christ. As I think of this scenario of this individual wanting to hang around Jesus, and Jesus saying, no, you've got work to do. Reminds me of football in Texas. We all know what Friday night is in Texas during football season. Teams come to show up on the field. They show up on the field every now and then throughout the game they huddle up to receive their instruction. They huddle up to, to be instructed 
and to be directed what they are to do when they break huddle. And although being in the huddle is very important, nobody comes to pay money to see how well and how good you look in the huddle. In fact, if you stay in the huddle too long, you get penalized. Because people want to know, what do you do once you break huddle? Oftentimes, the church is the huddle. The church is a huddle where we come and we get our instructions so that when we break huddle, we can score against our opposition, who we know is the devil. But oftentimes, we get sidetracked by our enjoyment of the huddle. Didn't the praise team sing well in the huddle today? We had wonderful prayers offered in the huddle today. The preacher preached a good sermon in the huddle today. And the world is around us wondering, what difference does your huddle make when you break it? Reminds me of the song, very familiar, several years ago, My House is Full. Goes on, there, goes, there is peace and contentment in my father's house today. Lots of food on the table and no one is turned away. There is singing and laughter as the hours pass by, but a hush comes the singing as the father sadly cries. My house is full, but my field is empty. Who will go and work for me today? It seems my children all want to stay around my table, but no one wants to go work in my field. No one wants to work in my field. Push away from the table. Look out through the window pane. Just beyond the house of plenty lies a field of golden grain. It's ripened unto harvest, but the reapers, where are they? In the house, oh, count the children. Hear the father sadly say, my house is full, but my field is empty. Souls are crying, men are dying. Won't you lead them to the cross? Go and find them, help to win them, win the lost at any cost. But no one wants to work in my field today. Jesus says, go home. There's work to be done in your local community. You have an amazing testimony. You can go and tell anybody your story, your situation. And the text says, verse 20, so the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, those 10 cities around him in his neighborhood, how much the Lord had done for them and him and how much the Lord had mercy. And they were amazed. They were blown away as he went and told them their, his story, his testimony of amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I because of an encounter with Christ. 
he was willing to go back to his neighborhood. What was the result of this man taking seriously the call to minister in his neighborhood? What was the result of this man who was once demon-possessed, a menace to society, hanging out with people who were going nowhere, trying to destroy himself, of him going out to his neighborhood, to the community in this Gentile region where they had told Jesus, get out of town. We don't want to have anything to do with you. That was in chapter 5. But because this man took seriously the command and call of Jesus to go into his community, chapter 6, verse 53, just one chapter later, when Jesus shows back up in town this time, in this Gennesaret region, and anchor there. In a region where they had told him to get out of town. But now this man whose life had been transformed has shared the message of hope and how it had transformed and how Christ had transformed his life. Verse 53 says that when he landed there, verse Verse 53 said, when he landed and anchored there, in verse 54, as soon as, they got, as soon as they got out of the boat, the people recognized Jesus. They recognized Jesus and they ran to him because he took seriously the call to minister in his local surroundings. And if a man like this, who was hopeless in despair, can be an agent of sharing the gospel to those around him, what about you and I? Father, thank you for the story of this transformed life. Thank you for how you have transformed our lives. And we pray, God, that we would leave here with a renewed commitment to go and share the message of hope with those around us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.